Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, January 5th of 2022. This is episode number 131. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? They are going pretty well, Rod. Hey, um, just before we get started here, I want to do something I don't normally do, but um, my buddy Mark had knee surgery today. Um, he's a big Browns fan down in North Carolina, and uh, he is the the other half of the most formidable cornhole team in the history of the city of Aurora. Um, and I just want to wish him all the best. And, and Mark, I know if you attack physical therapy like you attack everything else in life, I know you'll be just fine. Excellent. Well, hopefully everything goes well for him and um, hopefully he has a speedy recovery. So, so great. Um, joining us tonight is our guest, Susan Fisher. I follow her at Brownstown76. Susan, how are things going? Doing well. Thank you for asking. I appreciate uh, you guys asking me to be on. Absolutely. Uh, we love talking to fans and getting different perspectives and uh, just kind of uh, giving everybody a chance to come on and, and uh, have their say. So, uh, so looking forward to talking to you. I so before, <laughs> yeah, so um, before we kind of dive into things here, um, we're going to we're going to take a look at our Blitz beverages, see what everybody's drinking tonight. And Susan, since you're the guest, we're going to let you go first. So um, why don't you tell us about what you have there? Nothing very creative. It is a uh, Miller High Life. Um, pretty basic, but uh, after this past weekend i think i needed a, a pick me up um get to a higher life so that is uh, what i am drinking this evening that sounds good <laughs> nothing wrong with that <laughs> <laughs> so how about you jeff i'm um, just a little chardonnay tonight rod um didn't didn't feel like braving the cold to walk out to the beer fridge okay well um, Jeff, I'm drinking something I think you might enjoy, but for a different reason tonight. I'm drinking a I'm drinking a shock top twisted pretzel. I don't know okay. if you've had one of these or not, but it, it's nope. got they got they figured out a way to get the pretzel taste into the beer, and they did a wow. nice job of it. So you can taste nice. the pretzel, you can taste a little bit of salt with it. Um, it's you know it's it's five percent alcohol. It's you know it's just pretty much a regular beer, but it's got some pretzel taste to it. So. Sweet. So if you see this, I, I think you'd like it. So um, definitely yeah. uh, give it a shot. Give it a shot if you see it. Nothing nothing That's crazy, good. but um, yeah, yeah. I think you I think you really enjoy it. So so yeah. Here with my so, favorite snack food. Already. Well, yeah. It. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I haven't I haven't tried having pretzels with the twisted pretzel, but I assume well, that would be just really be good redundant. Too. It probably would be. I don't need the pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> it's already in there. You could just take a spoonful of nacho cheese and wash it down with the twisted pretzel. There you go. Yeah, that's all I needed was some cheese to, to dip my beer in. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all 
All right, guys. So, uh, so this is the part of the show where where we let the guests tell us about their about their Browns fandom. Uh, just so, Susan, I'm going to turn it over to you and just kind of let uh, let you tell us about how you became a Browns fan. Any highlights or lowlights, uh, or or anything you'd like to share with us about your life as a Browns fan? Well, um, I would have to say. I became a Browns fan right at the end of the Sype era, beginning of the Kozar era. And I learned all I learned from my brother, my dad, uh, family. I have uh, family um, in Cleveland. But it start, my love of the Cleveland Browns started then with Bernie Kozar and Kevin Mack and Biner and all the all the greats and as I learned the sport and the players and the positions and the penalties just grew to love the game itself the game of football itself mm-hmm. but Cleveland just has a special spot in my heart um you know they always say you, you bleed you know brown and orange and I believe that um yeah. and it's why you know, you, you wish for the best. Um, you know, during the games growing up, my mom would be making, you know, the big Sunday meal and fogging up the windows. And, you know, we would watch the game. And my brother and I would always go out at halftime and we would throw the football around, you know. And mm-hmm. we would try, you know, if there was a, if there was like a fantastic catch or an interception or, you know, whatever it was, we would always try to reenact it, you know, at halftime. So it's just a memory I'll just cherish forever, you know, those those times. And it's all because of the Cleveland Browns. Um, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Anybody. That's the first thing that they'll say is she's a she's a Browns fan. And I uh, it's just something that I'm passionate about. It moves me. I get excited about it. I want to share it with other people. I want to talk about it with other people. Um, it 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 has just been such a such a, a huge part of my life. And when my mom passed away um, a while ago, twenty years ago, I um, clung to it even harder and rooted for him even harder. And really threw myself into being a true Cleveland Browns fan. And that's stuck with me. And that's where I'm at today. No matter what, I ride and die with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, you mentioned some players back from the from the 80s and that. Uh, do, do you have favorites from them? Or do you just kind of love all those guys equally? Or... Or what? You know, I loved all of them. There were a few, obviously, that stick out, you know, like uh, Minifield and Dixon, you know, on the defensive side. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, who I really enjoyed was Brian Brennan, Mr. Third Down Specialist. If it was third and four, third and seven, third and I don't care how many. Man, he always caught the ball. He risked his body. He always 
always kept those drives going. And it was just, I just, he was just next level for me. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was sure handed to say the least. Yeah. And, uh, and like you said, if, it, if he needed three yards, his route was going to be four three probably. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah exactly. Three or four. Yeah. It wasn't going to be two. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, definitely. Are you referring yeah, to was, lately? Uh, I could be. I could be. Yeah. We, we've seen a little bit of that here and there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I digress slightly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's digress. Yeah, but yeah, that, that, that's great. To, th- thanks for sharing that with us. Um, we're gonna, gosh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna, we're gonna have to talk about this game. Um, this, uh, I guess, it was Monday night. Um, trying to forget about it, guys. Honestly, but uh, uh, Browns. Go into Pittsburgh, Ben's last game. You know, we're all hoping that the Browns are just going to, you know, beat the tar out of the Steelers and, you know, make Ben cry again. And that's not what happened, not even close. Um, you know, Browns lose 26 14. And I got to tell you guys, I did not see the last touchdown scored. I got to the remote before the guy got to the end zone. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not seeing this touchdown score. <laughs> as soon as he broke free, I'm like, I'm done. So um, that's how much of the game I saw. Um, but 26-14, I had had enough at that point. The sacks, um, a sack every time on third down, um, you know, uh, what, nine sacks, um, four or five batted balls, uh, drops, uh, bad passes. Um, I mean, ba- oh, Baker's... Yeah. What, I'm sorry. Dropped passes. Dropped passes. Yeah, Baker. Baker comes out of this game 16 of 38, which doesn't even seem possible um, for 185. Which you can live with 185. Um, you know, two touchdowns, but you know, two picks. But uh, 20, 22 incompletions in this game. <laughs> it's incredible. And, and Nick, Nick Chubb. Um, and we'll get, we'll get, uh, we'll talk more about Nick Chubb, but he, he carried the ball 12 times during his Johnson carry five. So the Browns essentially run the ball, um, 17 times. I know Jarvis ran it once, but you know, the running backs get the ball, get 17 carries and Baker throws the ball 38 times and that's the game. So, um, all right. I'm, I'm not going to talk any more about this game. I'm going to give it to you guys. Susan, I'm going to let you go first. Um, say whatever you want to say. Um, just just let it all out. <laughs> let it all out. <laughs> um, I thought we were actually going somewhere, and I realize now that maybe we are, maybe we aren't. It's kind of a scary territory again for us as Browns fans. I think um, we could either. There's two routes. We both know what the routes are. We all know, I should say, excuse me, what the routes are. I, and frankly, I'm a little confused. You don't really know what's going on within the organization. There was a lot of, like, I mean, it, Miles Garrett should not have to call a players only meeting. It, that should not happen. He should not have to say, hey, we didn't do any adjustments throughout the game, which we all know is true. 
the players should not be calling out the coaches. The coaches should be helping the players to their best potential, which is what they want. I mean, am I wrong? No, I mean, I agree with you on that. Um, the coaches should be helping the players. Um, I mean, even in good organizations, there, there's times when players have meetings. So, um, so I don't know the whole situation. So I'm not going to judge the coaching staff based just on knowing that. Let me put it that way. No, I get that. Absolutely. I, was, I didn't mean to imply all of that. No, that's okay. So let me um, let me just go ahead, uh, let me just piggyback on the numbers that you threw out there real quick. Yeah. Um, so so Baker obviously had an off day to to be kind. Um, mm -hmm. He his quarterback rating was fifty six point two. Um, mm -hmm. If if that weren't bad enough, um, Ben Roethlisberger for some reason threw the ball forty six times. And completed 24 of them uh, for 123 yards of touchdown interception and a 56.3 quarterback rating. Um, this may this game may prove that um, you absolutely don't need competent quarterback play to have an NFL football game. Um, well, to have a game, to have a watchable game is is another story. It, it, now, watchable is another story, right? <laughs> um, but this this may be combined the worst quarterback play that the NFL has put on Monday night um, since the 1960s. Um, I, think that's, I think you're right. I think I saw a stat about that, that it was absolutely the worst quarterback play. Yeah. Um, yep. the, the difference being that that – um, the Steelers ran Najee Harris for 188 yards. And we, for whatever reason, decided to abandon our run game really early. Now, yeah, we got behind. And, you know, that typically means you're going to throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, Pittsburgh was doing some things to stop our run. Um, but with all that said, um, you know, we just quit on the run game really early. And, got out of what I think was our best chance to beat the Steelers. The Steelers came in with the worst ranked run defense in the league. And we came in with one of the best run games in the league. And, you know, yeah. why you need to overthink that versus right. just pounding the rock. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, that, you know, I'm smarter than the, the, uh, the coaching staff. Okay. But at some point, you have to take what we view to be as a superior roster and go beat the crap out of somebody with it instead of trying to be the smartest person in the room like we talked about last week. Um, it was very obvious that, that we were going to live and die with Baker's ability to throw the football in that game from probably the first series, and it wasn't there. And, you know, you and I were texting back and forth during the game, Rod, about, you know, what the hell are we watching? Um, <laughs> why are we doing this? You know, why why is Baker even in this game? At some point, you have to make the determination that winning football games is more important than proving points. Okay? And, and whatever point they were trying to prove in that game um, – 
really fell hard on the fan base. And now this organization is going to have to deal with the fallout of that. And that's uh, to, to Susan's point. That's, that's not a, a fun place for us to be right now. No, I mean, we're, we're not too far removed from feeling like we had a coach who would be here for years. Um, feeling like we had a quarterback who was on, on the edge of being our franchise quarterback and really feeling like this franchise was, was set at the, the key spots where it needed to be set. And now people are really questioning all of that. Um, right. There's so many more details, though, that go into that. It's not just it's not so black and white. You know, no, it, no, it's not. You have um, injuries, you have um, I mean, we had a lot of injuries. We were out a lot of players. We had a lot of people step up, but. Uh, my thing is, I just wish we would have put maybe Janovich or Slid um, Hooper to help Hudson out on the right side. Hudson did a phenomenal job at right tackle, don't get me wrong. But when you're going up against T.J. Watt, you got to chip him. You have to. That, that, that actually would have scared me. <laughs> if I had been Baker, and I'm sure he was not, but I can't imagine T.J. Watt coming screaming at me, you know, knowing he's going to get to me. That wouldn't, that's, I don't know. I don't understand yeah. leaving leaving Harris, uh, or, yeah, leaving him on Harrison. an island again. Yeah. Um, leaving him on an island against Watt made no sense to me at all, uh, James Hudson. Um, or Hudson. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but the bottom line still is that we can throw shade on pretty much everybody on the offensive side of the ball. Um, watching the film and, and, and watching how these guys played, um, I, again, I think I made the comment to you early on, Rod, that, you know, these guys looked like they were already on the plane to Cancun for the winter. Um our all pro tackle or um, guards played like shit in that game. Um, our center got held or got called for holding on a running play that was ridiculous. Um, you know, guys dropping the ball, um, you know, you just, just spread it around. I mean, it, it was so clear that, that all of those guys had checked out well before this game now you know maybe that's because they knew they were eliminated from the playoffs and they had a letdown um i hope it's not something deeper than that i hope it's not you know unrest in the clubhouse and, and all the things going back to obj that have been discussed mm -hmm. um but for professional athletes to not show up for a football game like that um is really disheartening it's it's damning against the organization you know that you're on national television on monday night against your most hated rival and it seemed to me like the goal for monday night was to give ben a big going away party well of course <laughs> i mean we I mean, all 
that, that's the network's job. That's not our job. Correct. It, it, right, was, but it was not fun to watch at all. That was not, I, you know, I, I feel the same way you did, Jeff, about the offense. I really thought the defense seemed to come like they came to play. At least a lot of the guys did. Um, you know, it's, and it's not like it was their best performance of the season or anything. But the offense had so many three and outs, man. Those guys are just gassed by the end of the game. The offense, you know, didn't, you know, didn't do much of anything. Our so kept us in the, the defense. Game. I thought played pretty well. Yes, our That's- our defensive backs in particular, um, and and the depth in our secondary really really showed up for that yes. game. Yes. Um, guys that don't normally get a lot of snaps uh, were called on to play a lot of minutes and played exceptionally well. Uh, MJ Stewart, the last two weeks, has been phenomenal. Outstanding. Um, yeah, he's been know, great. AJ Green been had, fun to some, watch, had some moments. Yeah, um, yeah they, they, the, the, the secondary and, and, and what we felt like was going to be the weakness of our team or what was the weakness of our team last year, uh, the back seven, has, has literally become the strength of this team now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and played extremely well for as long as they possibly could. But you're exactly right. When, when your offense goes three and out pretty much every drive and you've got a punter punting 21 yards, um, <laughs> you can it's a little bit much to expect the defense, <laughs> you know, even against a, a crappy offense like Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, it's a little bit much to expect them to maintain that for four quarters. And, you know, it's during that game, we did not see one slip screen. And that would have worked beautifully against that, especially with the edgers coming, you know, as hard as they were coming, trying to get. That would have been a perfect time. And we never went to that. And we've used that in several games and multiple times. And it's always successful. I don't understand why that wasn't incorporated into the game plan. I don't know. I mean, they usually do at least, uh, you know, one or two yep. uh, screens. I mean, you know, they usually do a tight end screen and, you know, and then they do a, a, a screen or two to the backs. But, um, but yeah, you're right. I don't think they, I don't think they did any of them. Um, you know, I'm going to go back to the defense and I want to, I want to mention Grant Delpit because, um, I don't, you know, he, he looked pretty raw at the beginning of the season. And, you know, and I don't think he's, exa- you know, he's, he's probably not playing like an all pro or anything, but I really think he's come along. Um, yep. You know, he, he looks like he's playing a lot better. He looks, he re- he's really starting to look like a piece that the Browns can, you know, that that they can build around in the future, you know. I think he has really great instinct, actually. He just kind of seems to yeah. know where to be, and you know, which is nice to see because he is so young. I agree; he's been great this year for us. Yeah, and and it's it's too early to talk about who's going to be around next year. We're going to talk about that all off season, so I don't really want to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> Jadavian Clowney had um, he had two sacks in this game, so that takes him to to uh, seven sacks on the season. Which isn't bad as the number two guy. No. Oh, and and he had the shoe toss. Um, <laughs> what in the world was that? And 15 oh yards on the shoe. 
15 yard penalty for throwing a shoe. Yeah. Throwing a shoe. Yeah. I've never seen anything. Well, I mean, it goes back to like the Dwayne Rudd thing, you know, but the right. shoe but toss. The helmet, yeah. But then now yeah, they, they can do that too. It's like whatever we do first, and then whoever follows us, they just give them a, a pass, you know? Yeah. You know, our guys yeah. just have to be smarter than that, Rod. You know? No, I agree. Uh, I understand it. You know, you're it's the heat of battle, and, you know, guys sometimes get a little bit too into things, but you just got to be smarter than that. You got to live to fight another day. And, and the shoe came off as part of the tackle. And so Clowney's got kind of holding it in his hand, um, you know, at the end of the play. And rather than just like dropping it on the ground or throwing it at the guy, you know, he, it. he throws yeah. it 15 yards the other direction. You know, I mean, what is he, what do you think's going to happen? When you do that, you know, particularly yeah, I when think everybody you, thought all the officials flag, are standing everybody... right around you and you're and, you know, you're at the sideline and everybody's looking right at you and you're on national television. This is your opportunity to look like a professional and you look like a fool. Woo. Shots fired. Yeah. So so that was an obvious penalty. Um, I saw other people complaining about this. so I'm going to bring it up that T.J. Watt getting in Baker's face. You know, after after probably one of the sacks, should mm-hmm. have been a taunting call. I don't understand how that didn't get called, and not that it made any difference in the game. <laughs> but you know, right. officials officials should be should be watching that kind of stuff too. Um, there was actually- we we knew going into the game, Rod, that the Browns are one of the most penalized teams in the league, and the Steelers are one of the least penalized teams in the league. We knew that going into the game. So we knew we weren't going to get any help from the officials. Okay. So why compound that problem by doing stupid things? No, I agree. I agree. But there um, was, a, there was, I can think of one time when um, they probably should have called a roughing the passer. I forget who it was landed right on Baker and drilled that. I mean, his body weight all on it. No flags, nothing. Yeah. It was the, it was the Pittsburgh show, and, and yeah, I think they were just going to let it go. You know, I think the officials knew what the occasion was, so I mean, they let them play. Um, like the week the, previous, when everybody knew that Rodgers was going to take over the uh, touchdown record up there at Lambeau Field, so don't call the pass interference with <laughs> left is like that. Is that what you're talking about? Wrapping it up as a gift and just gifting it to them and saying, here you go. Merry Christmas. And then we cry. We get pissed. It's it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, the, the Green Bay game is, was tough. With I, I And I agree with you. The, the pass interference calls, um, yeah, I think they should have been made. You know, it, it doesn't mean that the Browns would have been able to kick a field goal or go down there and score or anything. But... You know, I mean, the Browns, if they would have played better in that game, they would have had a chance to win, too, you know, if they wouldn't have turned the ball over four times. So, um, you know, well, I, I see it from both what, angles. You know what? We had turned the ball over three times before half, and it was, what, 15-12. So there was only one turnover in the second half, which means that wasn't all that bad, and we were only down by three. So the the Browns played an excellent game that week. Um, other than other than the turnovers, um, you know, it was one of their best games. Period. 
but I felt like the turnovers would have, you know, were just possessions anyways, because it was early in the game. And the one, I feel like uh, Baker kind of saw a hold on uh, DPJ down the side as he was doing the cut in and it was intercepted and it was like a punt, but you know, when he released that ball, if he hadn't have been held, guaranteed DPJ comes down with that ball. Different ball game, you know? I, I agree with you. And there have been other times this year, but, um, you know, uh, I, I've complained about officiating a lot on this podcast this year. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think the Browns have gotten a short end uh, quite a bit this season, but... Um, you know, that they've had a few calls go their way here and there. Um, you know, I just don't I don't know how you fix it. Um, it and I, I've come to kind of look at it like Jeff says is just being it's it's part of the game. And you just you got to live with it. You know, I, I don't think they're ever going to really I don't think you're going to ever get officiating to where it's perfect. Um, you know, anytime they, they've tried to get it perfect, like with the booth reviews and that, it really just makes the game worse. So you, you kind of have to live with these, uh, with the with the human error factor. It's just it's just always going to be a part of the game. You know, there was a point in this uh, last game, a part, excuse me, in this last game where um, I just wanted to see if you guys were on the same wavelength on the defensive side. Uh, there was a toss on the left hand side, and the way Greedy Williams played that ball. It was a thing of beauty. And all I could think is, there he is, you know? Yes, we got him. This is what we, you know, he's been plugging away and doing so well. And then he ends up injured again. And I just feel really horrible. But did you guys see that play? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he played well when he was out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, he, he, I think Greedy's had a, a pretty decent year, don't you think, Jeff? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, he's been out I mean there, the defense been healthy is... and been able to play. He's he's out. Yeah. I mean, he's probably the best number three cornerback in the league. Yeah, I mean, the the defense has not been the problem this year. <laughs> it's no, just, no. I mean, it, again, it's not yeah. it's not it, it's not talent. It's not ability to 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 play. It's 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 a Fetty Adenabo lining up in the neutral zone. You know, yeah. the, the self-inflicted stuff, you know, you can you can complain about the officiating, but the self-inflicted stuff that this team has had all year long, it's it's those little things that are the difference between winning and losing in the NFL. You know, these, these games are going to be close, you know, yep. and when, when teams are self-destructive, they're just not going to get breaks. You know, you have to make yep. your own breaks in this league. And, and you know what, the, you could just see – Kevin Stefanski just shaking his head on the sideline, you know, saying, okay, did I coach this guy to go out there and line up in the neutral zone? You know, I mean, at some point, a player's got to be smart enough to look at where the damn ball is. You You know, it's not that hard. (laughs) I was going to say, it seems simple enough. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They should know this. But I don't know. There's just some. I don't know. Um, I mean, you guys remember Michael Dean Perry? He he used to do it all the, all the freaking time, yes. and he was a great player. He always lined up in the neutral zone, like like <laughs> twice a game. 
but you know, um, that, that, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of getting off track by saying that, but um, that's just kind of came to mind. So, well, you know, my, yeah, it just, it just goes to why, you know, why this team gets bad breaks, you know, and, and we can, again, expect the officials to help us out. But the reality is, is, you know, we make our own bad luck with this franchise. Uh, and it just, I think it goes to this losing culture that has been pervasive since the team came back in 99 that, you know, it's this woe is me down in the dumps, you know, uh, attitude that, you know, the whole world's out to get us and everything. And we just can't go out there and play decent football. You know, we have great talented guys go play. That's what we need a full 60 minutes of play. There's been, uh, you know, halves where we have just been, you know, it's clicked. Uh, the first of uh, 15 scripted go beautifully. Everything's flowing. And then the second half, it's just like we just blow up. Well, the Browns have had some good games. And probably their best game this year was, was the game in Cincinnati. And so I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I want to bring this this game up, um, you know, and, and this team up that the Browns are playing on Sunday. And that's the Bengals who... Who have won the division? Um, right, worst to first. The Bengals are the Bengals are, do. yeah. The Browns are seven and nine, and the Bengals are ten and six. And the best game the Browns played all year was was down in Cincinnati, and they they absolutely just just crushed the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals were out of that game from the get go. Yes, um, they were. You know, I mean, uh, the Bengals had no chance in that game. Um, and and uh, you know and the the uh, the Bengals have have really stuck it to some really good teams, <laughs> a lot of other games, um, put up huge offensive numbers. Um, it, one, it, it's, you know, one of the reasons I think you know that we fared so well is because of um, I think Rod, it was you talking about our was it our secondary and how much more improved it is. And we were really able to kind of take away Chase, Jamar Chase. Oh yeah, well, well, Denzel Ward had had an, an incredible game. That's where he yes. had the pick six against Cincy, and and he 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 shut down Jamar Chase. He just plain shut him down. I think Chase had, I mean, he had a few a uh, few catches for a few yards, I think, but you know, it was nothing. It was a couple catches for twenty some yards or something like that nothing in that major. game. And, Mm-mm. Yeah, not like not like the the two hundred and fifty yards he put up, you know. Uh, this past week, exactly. um, you know, it, it's a big difference when you can shut guys down like that. Now, you know, would the Browns be able to do that against the Bengals receivers every week? You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the Bengals have, have an offense that's absolutely, absolutely clicking right now. Um, but the thing is, you know, we, if the Browns could have gotten a win and, and the Bengals would have lost to the chiefs, then, uh, you know, then this game may have had some meaning, but now, um, no, it doesn't. So, so we're going to see uh, apparently Case Keenum. You know, unless they decide to go with Nick Mullins, um, and and the Bengals are going to play uh, Brandon Allen. So uh, Joe Burrow is not going to play in this game either. So and I do um, believe Joe Mixon is not playing either. He's out with COVID. Yeah, yeah I, I would assume the Bengals would probably rest some other guys too. Uh, would would not surprise me whatsoever if they're. Uh-huh. 
you know, why, yeah, why should they risk injuring any other guys at this point? So, so um, do you guys think we should rest our big play, big play makers for this game? Or do you want them to go out and be professionals? Um, you know, the, the only guys I would sit are the guys you know are going to be around next year, and that's probably about three guys. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Seriously, to, to me, the the only guys I know are, are going to be here next year for sure are, are uh, you know, some of the, the uh, you know, some of our starting DBs, uh, Miles, um, Nick Chubb, and, you know, and, and maybe a couple of our offensive linemen. Other than that... I, I don't think there's a lot of guarantees on this team with, with the way, uh, with the way, um, you know, it, the, the uh, management's going to look at, uh, at, um, you know, this roster. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be turned over completely, but they're going to look at, at upgrades everywhere and make the ones that they feel are appropriate. So I, I think at this point, there's a lot of guys who probably you would have thought would have been safe that might not be safe after this season. So, so, um, you know, probably a good portion of the team is going to be back, but you're not going to know who it's going to be until, you know, until next fall. Well, I know we have Betonio and Teller tied up too, right? We were lucky enough to get the Teller deal. Done. Yeah, you know, those guys are so, tied up to long-term contracts, yeah. So we're set there. And uh, Hunt's coming back as well, tied to Chubb. So I think- yeah, I don't think you'll see Kareem Hunt because, he. I mean, he was – he was questionable to play and wasn't was not able to give it a go last week. I don't know why you put him out there the last game of the season when he's recovering from an injury. So, um, and you know, I don't know what there is to gain by playing Nick Chubb in this game either. So, um, you're playing a backup quarterback. Um, put your receivers out there, you know, kind of as an audition for next year, and uh, you know, see what happens. Um, the defense, I would protect some of the guys too, probably, and not play them. That's what I would do. What are your thoughts, Jeff? What would you do in the, with this game? Treat it like a preseason game? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, Miles has the groin injury. Um, you've got a bunch of other guys nicked up. Um, there's no point in putting guys out there and getting them hurt. Um, I would, I would use this as an audition for the bottom third of my roster and see which guys are going to, you know, maybe get contracts next year. Um, the, the outcome of the game really doesn't matter at all to either no. team. Um, no. and at this point, I, I think from a, um, culture standpoint, this, this clubhouse is so badly broken that win or lose, there's really nothing to be gained. You know I mean? You, you could talk about, well, it's important to win games late in the season and, 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 you know, create that, that winning culture. Um, I think that horse is out of the barn already. Um, so right now yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about how can I get as many guys healthy uh, going into next year as possible and, and just not giving a damn about this this last game against Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter if you end up 8-9 and nine or 7-10. Or and 10. Um, I don't know what difference it makes. It's, you know, make a few, few – uh, you know, it, it'll make a little bit of a difference on where you draft, but but that's about it. Yeah, you know, I mean, this this year's draft is, is interesting. So, it, well, it's I'm going to use the word mediocre. 
Um, you know, there, there are some, some talented guys. Um, but I think it's, you know, 18 to 20 deep as far as, you know, decent guys, um, that, that could, could really impact us next year. So, you know, being at, at number 10 versus number 19, there's really not a hell of a lot of difference. I mean, we're, we're going to pass on a couple of really good players for whichever guy we pick anyway. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think those few spots, you know, I like the idea of that draft capital because, you know, depending on what AB decides to do this offseason to restructure, um, the, particularly the offensive side of the roster, having those extra couple places of draft capital might make the difference in being able to swing the type of deal that we need them to swing. Okay. Mm-hmm. More so than the, than the actual player you're going to end up with. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference. And, you know, one win is probably not going to make a whole lot of difference in where they pick either. I wouldn't think, um, no, it's you- a couple we'll see. Here's a question for you, gentlemen. Do you guys think uh, Stefanski would possibly play um, the first with Keenum, first half, and then switch it up with Mullins to see who can run his offense better? Do you think it could be like a, let's see how you run my offense, will determine if you're on the roster next year or not kind of situation? Well, I'll take that, Rod. I mean, we already know that. Keenum is more than likely gone next year. Um, yeah, his contract was the, through this season, right? I he, believe. Well, he's, he's under contract for next year. It's, it's um, a, but most it's of it not is not guaranteed. I think, right, most, most of it's, it's not guaranteed. Not. So, I mean, I, I would be really surprised if if Andrew Berry doesn't look to upgrade the quarterback position, at least from a backup standpoint, at least. Um so, you know, Nick Mullins may be your third quarterback next year um, if they really, you know, like them as much as they seem to. So, you know, what is there to be gained by looking at both of those guys? Um, I don't think there's much to be gained at all. Um, Case Keenum's probably done here after this game, so I think you just ride him out. Um and, you know, let Nick Mullins come into training camp next year and, and make a case for being your backup, depending on, you know, what else happens. I think it would be good to throw him in this game, see what he can do. Let's let's get, a well, you know, somewhat of a comprehensive overview of, you know, the, his capabilities. Don't you think? Well, we've, we've seen each of these guys play one entire game this right. season. Yeah. So, so I don't. I think they know what they have in, in both of them, and and I agree. Keenum is probably not going to be here next season, you know, unless unless he agrees to, you know, um, I, I don't know what his not guaranteed contract even is next year, but you know, unless he agrees to to take less money to stay here or something, which you know he's probably not going to do that. Um, He's, yeah, got, so, um, he's got a, a, a million three in dead money, Rod, and six and a half million um, that they can knock off the cap by cutting him. Yeah, so they're probably going to cut him and and look look at somebody else. I mean, I think you're right. I think they're gonna they're going to look 
at somebody who can, you know, either be the quarterback if, you know, if Baker looks bad again next season or, you know, or, um, um, you know, at least be a, a guy that they can look to down the road. Um, you know, Keenum, Keenum is not a, a guy for the future. So um, I, I think, think that, you're right. I think they're looking to, the, to upgrade the position. Go ahead. That had to be the plan, even if Baker had had an all pro season this year. The plan had to be to bring in a developmental backup. Because yeah. let's face it, you know, Case Keenum only has so much shelf life, right? So they, right. they yeah, needed he's to not come, gonna be on they needed team to, forever. Right. They needed to bring somebody in as a developmental number two um, for either next year or the year beyond. So whether that's in, in the draft or you know the waiver wire or via trade or however that happens, I think they were going to bring in a second quarterback next year, no matter what. And that's probably the guy that's going to get the bulk of the preseason snaps next year, whether Baker is on this team or not, that's going to be the guy that, that they're going to really take a hard look at. And, you know, preseason next year. I agree. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting because I mean, Nick, Nick Mullins says Nick Mullins is not a guy who they're going to look at as a potential starter, but he has experience. He's a guy I'm sure they like, as a backup, you know, whether it's two or three on the team. So um, it'll be interesting to see if, if Nick Mullins, you know, how much of a chance he has to have a spot or if they feel like they need to drop him in order to bring in more guys to try to find somebody to, you know, to compete, um, you know, to be the number two or, or a, potentially the number one guy. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Absolutely. How do you guys feel moving forward about offensive line? We had well, a lot I mean, of, we had a lot of setbacks. So I'm I'm referring to depth. I know we have some studs on our offensive line. We have some issues we need to address, but overall, how do you guys feel we need to address that like free agency or do you think we should solely just stick with the draft? I think they'll continue to address it through the draft. I don't think they're going to sign. They have enough money tied up in the offensive line already. I don't think they're going to sign anybody. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll say that I do not think they will sign anybody as a free agent to the offensive line just due, due to the money that's tied up there and due to the guys that they already have on the team. Um, you know, I think they'll uh, – I think if they see the right lineman in the draft at the right spot, I don't think they're going to be afraid to take <laughs> to take somebody. You know, if, if they had the right guy sitting there in the second or third round, I could mm-hmm. see Andrew Berry pulling pulling the trigger on a you know on a uh, on a right tackle or a center or something like that. You know, uh, just because if he feels that's the best guy available, I I could see him doing it. You know, if 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 it's not. Then um, you know I think the Browns are still in a pretty decent position, but they do need to they do need to keep bringing guys in because um, you know our guys are not getting any younger. Some of them. Well, I think the, the wild card here is Jack Conklin and his uh, patellar tendon tear. Um, you know what does that look like? Um, you know once he's healed up, and you know 
what do they do at right tackle long term? Um, you know, yeah. James they Hudson was, was they, James Hudson was drafted to be the developmental swing tackle. I don't think you know anybody imagined that a fourth round pick was going to be a starting right tackle this year. No, um, no. and no. probably not in two or three years. Um, you know, I think he has the potential maybe that far down the road, but, but realistically mm-hmm. he was brought in for the Kendall lamb role. Um, you yeah. know, after Chris Hubbard went down, it left us pretty thin at tackle. Um, and then yeah. losing Jack Conklin really, you know, made it, made it tough. So, um, you know, I think that it makes it really difficult to go out and try and sign another right tackle, not knowing what's, you know, what Jack Conklin's going to be capable of next year. So you almost have to ride with that. Um, in terms of, of draft, to me, the, the, the guy I'm going to watch is Tyler Linderbaum because he is a perfect replacement for J.C. Trevor. I mean, from a, a wide zone pl- blocking perspective, an athletic center, a guy who can, you know, open holes for our run game. Um, he is probably as ideal fit a center as, as you will ever see for the Cleveland Browns. And if he's sitting there wherever we're picking, it's going to be really, really hard to, to, t- to say, let's take a wide receiver instead of a potential future Hall of Fame center. Um, I'm talking first round, obviously. In the first round. Now, this draft is deep enough. Cincinnati did that, and they they did pretty well, don't you think? Well, yeah. I mean, this draft is deep enough at wide receiver that that I think we can find, you know, an impact guy in the second round. Um, And at at tackle, there's always going to be those developmental guys, but – yeah, you know, I, I just don't think we're going to find anybody who's going to be ahead of James Hudson. We have one of the best yeah. in the business coaching these guys too. So you know, just keep bringing yeah. them in. He will develop them the right way. At least that's my right. opinion. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, I I forgot about something in the Steelers game. You know, I, we were talking, and people were all upset about the uh, about Nick Chubb and the, the number of carries he had and. I don't want to dwell on that too much because, you know, at some point it, it seemed to me that, um, you know, I, I thought maybe that they were just not wanting to give Nick a bunch of carries because the game didn't have meaning and things like this. But um, so I could see either side of the Nick Chubb and the carries. Um, but Nick Chubb left us with a moment that we'll remember for the rest of our lives in that game. And that was the stiff arm he had on the Steelers DB who tried to, he tried to, to uh, come in at a bad time and, and uh, get Nick in the tackle. And, uh, and um, yeah, it didn't go so well. And, and I don't know about you guys. I, I, I still haven't gotten tired of watching that yet. And I kind of feel bad <laughs> for the Steelers guy if it's possible. No, Man, no. Have you guys ever seen – I mean, I've seen some nasty stiff arms from guys. Yes. But, Man, that that was ridiculous what he did to Nick that. Nick did guy. one earlier this year too, I think. Um hey, what what a weapon that is for a running back. You know, Absolutely. um saw Najee Harris do it to 
MJ Stewart earlier in the game it's as good well. It's MJ Stewart, um, and, and yeah, and then Nick Chubb did his, and it's like, yeah, you, it, it's like um, you guys. <laughs> you remember the Crocodile Dundee movie? <laughs> that's that was, a knife. That's a knife. Oh, that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's listening to the show right. going, what? Huh? what? Yeah, all the young kids are going, what? Yeah, yeah. you think that's a stiff arm. This is what a stiff arm looks like. Right. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. That well, was, you know, you got you to gotta take the fun spots whenever they are in a game, and there were damn few of them. So I'm glad he gave were, us that. There were very few of them. He gave us that, and it's something we'll never forget from that game. Right. You know what I think actually is uh, the biggest impact player on our defense, to be honest, has been Clowney and the stopping of the the run game. The way he's able to uh, peel and attack is incredible. And I, Miles comes screaming off one side, him doing that on the other, and it's just there's nowhere to go. Watching those two, I pray that he comes back because I want to see more of that next year. You know what's what's funny, Rod, is um, you know when the Browns signed Tack McKinley, we were talking about you know what they were going to do on the defensive line and how they were going to fill the D tackle positions and everything as we we're looking at the roster and and you know. Jadavian Clowney really wasn't even on our radar at that point. You know, no, nobody, nobody thought, well, maybe the Browns will go sign Jadavian Clowney, right? Because he was up in the stratosphere in, you know, his ask for salary. Um, right. And, and right. we, we never even had, considered him coming. He had already been right? here and then walked away, right? Right. And, and, you know, we had gone after him in the past and, and yeah, never been able to. And and so, you know, now you look at it like, well, geez, I mean, now that he's been here for a year and, you know, hopefully feels comfortable with the organization and, and likes playing opposite miles and so forth, you know, maybe he, he sees that fit and, you know, really wants to be here and so forth. But I got to tell you, Javen Clowney's not taking a home down hometown discount for anybody. And he's gonna he's gonna demand twenty million dollars in his next contract for at least two or three years, and the odds of that happening here, um, you know, I I I I think are pretty slim. Yeah, I think you're right, but I think you're right, Jeff. But you just you just look at his career, and I don't have his stats up in front of me, but he's a guy who's always had all this great potential. You know, taking right. he was taking number one overall, right? And and yeah, um, yeah. you know, he, he had that huge hit on that guy in college, and he's he's lived off that hit forever. Um, you know, and and he he's played well. He's always been a guy who's done well against the run, and his sack totals have been very sporadic. I I don't if I'm correct, he either didn't have any sacks last season. Or, or had one. Yeah, none. Yeah, none he's had next year. to he's had almost he no sacks. Games, yeah. Yeah. So go back a year before that if you have his stats up, and you know he yeah. he's had very few sacks the last few years. Three the year before, um, his two best years were seventeen and eighteen, where he had nine sacks. Um, so yeah, he's pretty pretty close to you know a career year this year. Um, yeah, play, and, playing and, with Miles. You know, 
you know, he's also right. struggled to stay healthy, though, too. That also. Well, that's like, it. Yeah, those those two know? years, yeah. uh, 2017, 2018, he played in 85 percent of the snaps. This year he's played in 60 percent of the snaps. And that's, you know, about the second best year of his career. So um, from a availability standpoint, um, he's been good enough to make us want more. But you have to yeah. wonder how sustainable that is. Right, right. So, you know, maybe he'll, uh, I guess it depends what the Browns think going forward and what he thinks. He thinks, you know, he looks at the stats and says, hey, you know, I was able to do this here. If I go somewhere else and I'm on my own, you know, I've got another one stack year coming up if I take a one year deal somewhere else. So, yeah, um, exactly right. right. Exactly right. Yeah, That's what I was could happen. Say. You know, you yeah, go if, ahead, if go somewhere else yeah. and get more money, but you're not going to be able to get to the quarterback as much opposite right. Miles Garrett. There's just no way. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's why these guys take these discounted contracts for one year is, you know, to go out there and prove that, that they're worth the long deal. Um, I Like I said, I, I would love to see him come back. Um, I think it's been a really good fit. Um I'm just not going to hold my breath. That's going to happen. I think the Browns are going to end up going out and finding somebody else like that. Um, mm-hmm. That will, will come in and, and play on the same kind of a contract and, you know, hopefully backfill behind that with some other guys like tack and, um, you know, some draft choices or whatever. But, um, you know, when you got miles Garrett, you don't have to have, you know, you got Batman, you don't need, I hate to use that running back <laughs> analogy, but you know, you, you got, you got the, you got Miles Garrett on one end. You don't have to have the second best guy in the league on the other side. Why don't we just sell the farm, go up for the number one pick and take Hutchinson from Michigan and just get it over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, Two, three months ago, I was looking at Aiden Hutchinson as, as being a guy that would be down, you know, around where we would be picking. Um, Jesus, he's he's played himself into um, the number one or two pick, probably. And whoever an gets him is going to get a great motor. player. His motor is phenomenal. His bend is phenomenal. Yeah. But again, we, we don't need that guy on the other side. It would be a great luxury to have that guy, but there are <laughs> yeah. guys in the second round that I think can can give us that kind of production opposite miles. Impact um, the game the same. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't want to be you don't want to be the 49ers to just draft a defensive lineman every year for like six straight years in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or the Lions, who I think drafted wide receivers how many years in a row? I forget. It was like eight years or something crazy. <laughs> yeah, and and almost none of them panned out. I mean, you know, a couple of them, but yeah, crazy. So so guys, uh, um, before we uh, before we give some score predictions for this meaningless game, uh, Doug Deacon announced his retirement from uh, from um, I guess from calling games. So. Um, you know, from being in the Browns, essentially in the Browns organization for forever. 51 so, years. Uh, 51 years. So you guys yeah. have thoughts on thoughts on Doug Deacon's retirement? You know, um, Doug Deacon has been with the Browns organization as long as I've been a fan. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. 
I watched Doug Deacon play. Um, and, you know, at that point in time, I think he was the third left tackle. Um, something like that in the history of the Browns organization. Um, yeah, right. That's right. I mean, um, so what a what a great guy um, from a, a longevity and, and just a fan standpoint. I mean, he was a huge fan of the team. And it's just another one of those guys that you're going to miss hearing on the radio. Um, but I wish him I wish him well in retirement. And I'm sure this this season <laughs> must have been really hard on him. <laughs> you know, he may have been planning he, to do a couple more years. Yeah. He was he was thinking, you know, gosh, this this after all these years, this will be the year I finally get to see him go deep in the playoffs. And, you know, then then this year happened and he's like, ah, forget it. Um, but, yeah, he's he's been a he's been a joy to listen to. And I really wish him the best in retirement. Yeah, I yeah. want to wish him the best as well. He uh, like you said, he's he's a Cleveland staple. Anybody that follows right. knows. And um, it's going to be different moving forward, not hearing his voice and hearing the calls. I wish him the best. And, uh, you know, maybe he can still continue to do commercials. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so hopefully they'll bring somebody, uh, somebody in. Uh, got to be somebody hometown uh, to take a spot hopefully we'll know that before too long so so we will see so let's uh let's throw out some totally meaningless score predictions for this totally meaningless game on sunday um i'm gonna go last this time just because i'm more comfortable in that position because <laughs> i don't have a score yet and, uh, I, I think so. Uh, so, Susan, what do you think is going to happen in this game? Um, give me a score on who you think is going to win. I guess the Browns are favored by five in this game. Is that right? Jeez. Yeah. Like that means anything. But. Well, you know, a lot of people say it's the last game. It doesn't mean anything. But um, for me as a fan, it does. And. I want us to go out there and put forth all the effort and leave it on the field. And I want to come away with the W. And I think we can do that. I honestly do. I don't think it's going to be a pretty game. But I think we are going to come out with, with a W. They have, unfortunately, the reason I say that is because the other team is without, you know, they're sitting players, COVID, so on and so forth. But. It means something for us fans. And damn it, I want the last game to be a W. Yeah. I'm going to go Cleveland 20 to 17. 2017 Browns. Okay. What do you have, Jeff? Yeah, I'm just going to basically flip that and say 21-17 uh, Cincinnati. Um, I still think they have more to play for than we do. So um, our guys are going to probably take the week off again. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll put some points up, but it'll be too little too late, just like against Pittsburgh. I, I just don't know why, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Browns. I think the, I think uh, 
I there we the go. I think the defense will show strong in this game, and and uh, and uh, I don't know. I think whoever plays quarterback will have a, have a nice game, and I think we'll uh, I think we'll end up doing okay. And I, I've got nineteen twelve Browns. Nineteen twelve. Well, yeah. we are the the best damn fans in the land. That's right. That's right. So. <laughs> So, uh, so let's get some closing thoughts, and then um, and we're gonna shove on out of here. So, uh, so Susan, we'll let you go first with any closing thoughts or uh, anything you like to leave everybody with. Well, um, it's unfortunate that we're not gonna make the playoffs, but I don't think that all hope was lost on this year. I honestly don't. I know we can uh, continue to move forward and in the right direction. I think more accountability would be good, seems like, in the future, all across the board. I'm looking forward to the draft, see who we uh, pick up. Um, I hope we retain quite a few players. Um, we know big-name players that are signed, but some of these other players have really um, stepped up when we've really needed them to. And I hope they come back with us. Um, as far as I know everybody wants to know about the quarterback position, I'm down with whoever they decide to go with as long as they feel it's right for our franchise. Um, I won't lie. I will back Baker. <laughs> I'm a Baker fan. I ride and die with six. I love his passion. I think he was... Uh, thrown under the bus a little bit um but at the same time i also feel like he maybe let his competitiveness get the best of him to put him on the field that's a little iffy and that's you know that's strictly my opinion um but i hope he is back and i hope we can build and and get better we have chubb and miles and to waste the talent that those two guys have in their prime makes me very upset and stressed <laughs> and sometimes cry. <laughs> so I just hope, you know, uh, next year we can all stay healthy and make it back to the playoffs, guys. Sounds good. That, um, you can follow Susan at Brownstown76. Uh, Jeff, do you have closing thoughts for us? Yeah, on, on Baker, um, I just want to say I wish him the best with his surgery, and I, I hope it goes well and it's successful. And, um, you know, he can come back fully healthy next year, um, whatever that looks like for him and the Browns. Um, we're going to have a lot of time to talk about positions and rosters going into 2022. Um, but I, I will say um, this team needs to get better, and whatever – has to happen from a roster standpoint. Um, I'm going to trust Andrew Barry to make the right decision. I trust him to upgrade every other position on the roster. Um, so I will also trust him to upgrade the quarterback position. And if that means that he brings in somebody that I have to hold my nose and root for, I'm going to do that because ultimately we want to get to the promised land with this team. Um, with all that said, I'm going to also be holding my breath after this Cincinnati game. 
because I know what this organization's history is. And all I can say is, Jimmy, for God's sake, don't do it. <laughs> That's on Jimmy. You don't for... take your gun to town. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. I love talking Browns. I'll talk Browns all day long. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, Susan. This nice has been the Browns you, Blitz. I'm sorry? This nice has been the Browns you, Blitz, and we will catch you next time.